You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 17th, 2019. My name is Philip Ross and I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Philip RR. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. And of course, follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Detroit Pistons and talk about what are the hard truths that this team is still trying to learn, a truth that may keep them out of the playoffs. Luckily, the East is forgiving, so maybe it won't, but a truth that they have to come to understand and take into their heart. Not going to break any news here. It's it's pretty obvious what what what, the, what I'm going to talk about um, as we get into things here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail. Want to get the Pistons' perspective on tonight's game? Check out Locked On Pistons. Their host, their host, uh. uh actually covered the game for the Orlando Sentinel up in Detroit, so he'll have a good perspective on both teams, actually, so definitely recommend listening to that. Want to get ready for the next game against the Nets? Check out Locked On Nets. They had a crazy comeback overtime win over the Houston Rockets. James Harden with another crazy scoring game, but the Nets erased, I think it was like an eight-point deficit in the last two minutes of overtime to win the game. I actually watched the game after the Magic game was over on League Pass, and it was a doozy, man. It was a really impressive performance from the from the Brooklyn Nets. That is a very good team right now, playing very, very well. Coming into the Amway Center for the first time this year, for Magic playing the Nets for the first time this year on Friday, so definitely check that out. Check them out as well. For national perspective, you can, of course, check out Locked On NBA. For fantasy perspective, you can check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. And, of course, there's NFL, MLB, and college podcasts as well. The Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. You can check it out. Just search on iTunes for the team you're looking for. Or tell your smart device, your Google Home, your Alexa, whatever you call it, tell it to play podcasts Locked On and the team you're looking for. This game on Wednesday was a veritable six-pointer. Um, I kind of throw that term around. I don't know if a lot of people know about that. And soccer, you get three points for a win. And so when you play a team that's kind of directly adjacent to you in the standings, it's essentially a six-point game. You you gain three points, the other team loses three points, six points. So that's what that means. This was a big game. Not because the, the Magic and Pistons are, 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 are both in the playoffs. They're not yet. They're actually both chasing the playoff spot. But the Magic started the game, started the, the game a half game ahead of the Pistons in ninth. Long way to go still. But this is one of the teams the Magic will be fighting for for a playoff spot. So, like that Heat game way back when that I said was a big game because it could have meant the Magic won the season series. That, that game, this, this was a big game for that reason once again. It's just a, a way to separate and rank order these teams. As I mentioned on last yesterday's podcast, the Magic and Pistons are actually very, very close and very, very similar. And the, this game did not do anything to dissuade that notion. The Magic and Pistons are both really good, are, are, are not really good teams, but they're both very similar teams with similar issues that play each other to, you know, essentially a standstill for the most part. And that's been the case through the three meetings now. 
Orlando took an early lead. They led by 11. They had a crazy first quarter where they made 75% of their shots and, and looked like they could run away with things, but their defense was always a bit off. And so Detroit eventually took their own 11-point lead in the fourth quarter. Then Orlando makes a little bit of a rally. Their defense tightens up. They, they force overtime. And in overtime, it just came down to making or missing shots. Well, not all down to that, but a good chunk of it. Orlando makes only two field goals in the overtime period. The Pistons are able to pull away for a 120-115 win. And Orlando certainly feels like it left one on the board. I mean, I think Aaron Gordon said it best. You know, this is one we felt we could win, and we didn't get it. And it wasn't about the missed shots in overtime. Uh, Nikola Vucevic specifically missed two open jumpers uh, in the overtime period that would have tied the game or given the Magic the lead. And and, and it was a nip-and-tuck affair. I mean, again... I remember Stan Van Gundy saying this, and I think I've heard Steve Clifford repeat it. This is a make-or-miss league. If you get good shots at the end of the game and you happen to miss them, you can live with that. It's Again, process over results. I'll use all those coaching cliches. So I, I, I tend to focus less on those big moments because at the end of the day, it's about making plays. It's about executing. And yes, it hurts. Orlando had the chance to win, and they didn't make the plays they needed to in the end. But I would argue more that it was some. It was the play in that second and third quarter that cost the Magic this game. It was the giving up offensive rebounds left and right. Andre Drummond had 11 offensive rebounds. There's a sequence in overtime where he grabbed two that kept possessions alive and, and prevented Orlando from getting the stop that they had earned. And it was a tough defensive night that really rounded into form at the end of the fourth quarter. Orlando gave themselves a chance to win this game because of their defense at the end of the day. They put themselves in a hole because their defense was not good enough throughout the night. Throughout the night, it was easy drives into the lane. It was sinking in too hard to collapse around Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond that left open three-point shooters. It was careless play offensively with turnovers, a problem that's been growing with this Magic team. It was... A frustrating game in that sense because Orlando played well enough to win. It's going to be rare for the Magic to have the kind of offensive output that they had in this game. Scoring 109 points in regulation, having an offensive... I I looked it up. This was one of the 15 best offensive games by offensive rating the Magic have had all year. Terrence Ross just being a flamethrower, making every shot that he threw at the basket it felt like. This was a game that the Magic had to win because they're not going to play offense like this all the time. And yet, it was a bunch of little things that kept them from doing it. Magic shoot 50% from the floor. They make 14 threes. They have 29 assists. 11 turnovers isn't even that bad. But it all added up. Detroit had 14 offensive rebounds, 11 of them from Andre Drummond. They shoot 47.8%. They make 12 of 33 pointers, 40%. They make 20 of 25 free throws. Orlando missed seven of their th- or six of their 13. Magic were just seven of 13 from the line. All this stuff adds up in the end. All this stuff 
is how a team that is playing extremely well offensively, they were making shots, they were moving the ball effectively for the most part, they were getting inside out. They were, you know, maybe except for a stretch in the second quarter, the Magic were really good about staying in motion and staying engaged offensively. It just came down to their defense, and their defense was unable to get stops against this team. And that's the frustrating part. Not that Vucevic missed those shots at the end. I mean, yeah, that's frustrating, but you can live with that because you got the shot. You got the opportunity. The point is, you should have never been in that opportunity. The Pistons should have never had that opportunity if the Magic would have just taken care of business. It's a Pistons team that struggles with its bench. Their bench is not better than Orlando's. But they get 13 points from Langston Galloway. They get 14 points from Luke Kennard. Ish Smith scores six on one for seven shooting, but has, but has a big change, dynamic in the game as a change of pace guy. All this stuff adds up. All this stuff that the Magic needed to happen defensively just didn't happen. And so Detroit outworked them and, and and beat them beat them at their own game or beat them at the way the Magic need to play. And that's again one that was left on the board. Another double-digit lead blown on the road. Another opportunity to get a win lost. And in a race that's this tight, and it's going to stay this tight, and a team that doesn't have a margin for error, this is one the Magic are going to really regret not getting. Of course, there is still a long way to go. It's just one game, and momentum is the next day's pitcher. The game against the Brooklyn Nets becomes that much bigger, especially because that's another team the Magic are trying to chase down. So we'll see if the Magic can get get the win there. Let's run through the final box score for you real fast. We'll note some some interesting performances on in this game. Nikola Vucevic, twenty four points, eleven for twenty two shooting, thirteen rebounds, three assists for him. Uh, like I said, uh, he missed those two shots uh, in overtime. Uh, kind of struggled down the stretch. Maybe maybe they rode him a little too hard. But overall, you know, I, I think this was an okay game for Nikola Vucevic. Uh, Andre Drummond had no interest in stepping out to the perimeter for against him, so he just rolled to that free throw line area, elbow area, and just hit jumpers over Drummond, over a half-hearted Drummond challenge all night long. Until the very end of the game, Vucevic was was dominating this game offensively. Now, uh, I, I will say this: Drummond did get 11 offensive rebounds, and that's a lot of that's on Vucevic. A lot of that is on Vuce for not boxing out. But I will give Vucevic this this credit. He knows he can't out-physical Drummond. He knows that he's not going to be able to push Drummond off the block. And so, and I, and Drummond's had big rebounding games against Vucevic before. But I will give Vucevic this credit. Vucevic is really good at conceding that offensive rebound, but putting himself in a position to challenge the putback. And I thought he did a really good job of that in this game. Drummond ends up shooting 7 for 15. For a guy that's only shooting around the basket... That's pretty good. And so Vucevic was really good at challenging those shots and then corralling the rebound, the subsequent rebound, or tipping it to where uh, a teammate is. So I I do think Vucevic did some good things. Um, Obviously, missing those shots at the end hurt, and obviously giving up those offensive rebounds hurts. But I I didn't think Vucevic was maybe as bad as as others would suggest or as, as as the box score would suggest. I thought Vucevic... Overall, you know, again, he's just a reliable player. That's why he's going to be. That's why he's the Magic's All Star candidate. He's someone that I think the Magic know uh, they can get a good performance from. So I, I liked. I liked what he did generally in this game. Aaron Gordon, on the other hand, struggled a little bit more. 
12 points, 5 for 11 shooting, ends up fouling out, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers for him. Uh, Gordon typically plays really well against Blake Griffin. Uh, not offensively so much. I think he struggled a bit offensively. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of getting to the point where the magic go as Aaron Gordon goes. If Aaron Gordon's able to get into a rhythm and get into the flow of the offense, um, they're going to win games. I think the Magic have only lost two games this year where Gordon scores at least 20 points or more. Uh, so, he's his, his, his offense is a barometer of how well the Magic are playing. And so, the fact that he was dribbling a lot, trying to break down the defense, uh, settling for jumpers, uh, really struggling to get to the basket... That's a sign that the offense was, was struggling a bit or that the Magic were struggling a bit uh, to get things moving. Obviously, the offense actually played pretty well all game long. Uh, Gordon's efficiency was down, but he had a tough task guarding Blake Griffin. And typically, Gordon's really good at defending Blake Griffin. That early foul trouble really threw him off. Blake Griffin finished with 30 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 11 for 18 shooting, 7 for 10 from the foul line. Uh, Gordon was still the best defender on Griffin, but he definitely couldn't be as physical as maybe he wanted to be. Uh, he couldn't uh, do, uh, I, I guess, stand up to Griffin as much uh, as as he usually does, as he did in the previous matchups. And I think that hurt the Magic's overall defensive game plan. I, I will admit that. Orlando started trying to trap and double Griffin uh, because Gordon couldn't couldn't do it by himself this time around. And that opened up a lot of the passing to the, to the perimeter. So, uh, as much as the Magic's defense struggled, I, I think some of it was schematic. I, I think the Magic uh, didn't execute their 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 coverages on Blake Griffin effectively. But it starts with Aaron Gordon getting into foul trouble and struggling to to contain Griffin himself. If if he's able to contain Griffin himself like he did in the previous two meetings, the Magic have a much better chance of winning. So rough game for Aaron Gordon. Evan Fournier has 18 points, seven for 15 shooting, three for nine from beyond the arc, five assists for him. Pretty solid game overall for Fournier. I thought did a good job getting himself open for shots, getting into his looks. So, so I, I liked his effort overall. Um, Terrence Ross, a complete flamethrower, twenty-four points, eight for fourteen shooting, six for twelve from beyond the arc, two for three from the foul line. Came in the game in the first quarter where the Magic shot seventy-five percent and was just making everything, just turning the corner, firing for three, making everything. If the if they, the Pistons gave him even a little bit of day, daylight. He took it and he took advantage of it. Um, you know, and, and I, I say this all the. I think I I say this a lot. When Terrence Ross has a game like this and and is scoring off the bench and, and providing a lift to that bench unit again, he scores twenty four of their thirty eight points off the bench. I mean, he's he is the bench offense right now, and the Magic are trying to keep starters in the game to to provide a little bit of a boost. They they used Evan Fournier in that bench group with Terrence Ross uh, in this game, I think to match Aaron Gordon's minutes with Blake Griffin. Um, when Terrence Ross is making shots like this and, and providing that boost, the Magic really have to win. You can't waste these kinds of efforts uh, with a guy like Ross because he, he, I mean, he's reliable at this point, but games like this where he's just making everything are just so vital. And, and, the, and obviously the Magic end up closing with him as they usually do. Um, he was the only one to make any field goals in the overtime period. So um, a great game for Terrence Ross. His job is to go out there and get buckets, and that's exactly what he did. Another performance I think that is worth mentioning, uh, DJ Augustin, 13 points, 7 assists, 6 for 12 shooting. A really solid game for him. Jonathan Isaac, 10 points, 4 for 7 shooting. Um, interesting game for him. Had moments where he was kind of invisible um, but uh, and, and really struggled when he got matched up with Blake Griffin. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I, you got to treat. I'm treating Isaac like a rookie this year, so so I, I see signs of progress as a good thing. Um, but a really interesting game from Isaiah Briscoe. Uh, 
Six points, four rebounds, five assists, three for seven shooting for Briscoe. Um, he is taking over that backup point guard role, and it looks like he's going to be able to handle it at least for a little while. I mean, he's, he's playing really well. Uh, you love his effort. You love his physicality. I love his physicality. The dude is a strong guy. He's not afraid to throw his body around. He's already fouled out of the game. Um, so he's not a, not afraid to take a few fouls, which I like from my bench point guard. He's not going to play as many minutes, so getting to six is not a big concern. But he's willing to be physical. He's willing to uh, drive into the lane, and he's actually pretty good at getting into the lane under control. Um, looking to score or looking to pass. I think he has a little bit of tunnel vision, which was a criticism of him coming out of college. Um, he did miss a few open open players. Um, one time he missed a lob to Aaron Gordon, but he was able to work that into uh, into an open three for Terrence Ross anyway, so it worked out. Um, but uh, I, I really like the way Briscoe's playing. I really like, uh, the, again, the physicality and the strength that he brings. I think it's something different than, than what the Magic have at the point guard position. He's able to probe the lane, and so I think um, if there's been anything that's that's good to come out of this loss, it's more affirmation that Isaiah Briscoe can handle the backup point guard role for the time being. Uh, you know, maybe stave off a, a panic trade or, or a quick trade to to bolster that. But um, overall, I think I think you got to be really pleased with how Isaiah Briscoe played. Orlando shoots 50% for the game. They shot 75% in the first quarter to score. Uh, 34 points. That's the highest field goal percentage in any quarter so far this year, but they'll end up at 50% for the game. 14 for 39, 35.9% from beyond the arc, just 7 of 13 from the foul line. Uh, They have 29 assists off their 47 field goal makes. They score 115 points, have one of their best offensive games, but Detroit, 47.8% shooting, 12 for 30 from beyond the arc. That's 40%. 20 for 25 from the foul line. They have 14 offensive rebounds, 11 of them from Andre Drummond, uh, and they win 120 to 115 in overtime. The Orlando Magic certainly feeling that they left one on the board. Orlando now a half game behind Detroit for the fi- for the ninth place in, in the Eastern Conference. Now a game and a half back of the Charlotte Hornets for the last spot in the playoffs. So don't panic. You can take this loss. It's not a big deal. But yeah, got to you obviously got to get yourself back up on the mat against a very tough Brooklyn team on Friday. Uh, got to find a way to get this one back because uh, you left one on the board, I think. And so, why did the Magic leave one on the board? Um, you know, I think we're, we're past the midpoint of the season. Teams' identities have, have really taken shape. You know, as I've said before, we're in the fight now. We're in the thick of the season the race, you know, you're you're rounding the bend toward home. You can begin to to see the moves and machinations that you need to make to to reach the finish line and and, and you know place or, or whatever horse racing metaphor you want to use. And so, you should know who you are as a team now. You should know what gear you have to get to to get where you want to go. And unfortunately, what I think's interesting about this Magic team is. They're still so young, we don't really know who this team is. I, I, I mean, if there's reason to be skeptical about the Magic's playoff hopes, and, and there is reason to be skeptical about it, even even though, I mean, and I would say this too as far as, as, far as how we break this down, you know, just because we say the playoffs are the goal you know, doesn't necessarily mean they'll make it, of course, but, but you got to have goals and you got to try and get them. But I think there is, if there is reason for skepticism of the Magic making the playoffs and, and achieving that goal that, that's still in front of them, uh, 
it's that you can't really point to one thing this team does exceptionally well. How would you describe how they play? Really, think about that question. I mean, I, I think about that question all the time, and I don't think I really have an answer. Honestly, at this point, it's still a, we don't know what team is going to show up. Is it the good team that moves the ball and plays with energy and activity? Or is it the team that tries to isolate too much, do everything on their own, and doesn't always have the the level of detail defensively that they need to succeed? Again, I think these are all fair questions, fair skepticisms about this team. But let's just take Wednesday's game as an example of what the Magic's identity should be. If we don't have a firm grip of what the identity is or what or, or what a successful identity is, let's take a look at the statistics. Let's take a look at really what they do well and say, okay, how do they do that better? This Magic team, at least as currently constructed, is not going to be an all-world killer offensive team. They're 27th in the league in offensive rating. This game was one of their 15 best offensive games of the season, by offensive rating at least. They played a really strong offensive game, and by all accounts, that should make for a win. In fact, it it really should have been a victory tonight. Again, a reason why you feel like they left one on the board. So why wasn't it? If on a night where the Magic had their offense working so effectively, why are we talking about a loss? Why are we talking about what the team needs to make sure they do? Steve Clifford has has long said that there is a very narrow path for victory, that, that, that the team's margin for error is small, and what they have to do, they know what they have to do to be successful every night. There is a way for the Magic to play to to win where they can beat almost any team in the league. Go back to the weekend to see that. And if they don't do those things, they can lose, obviously. Or they could get flat out embarrassed. That didn't happen on Wednesday night, of course. They, They just lost. They lost a game. They didn't do all the things they needed to do. They lost a game. On offense, those things are moving the ball, keeping player movement, uh, you know, taking open, you know, taking open shots, not over dribbling, all that, all that normal stuff. But what distinguishes the Magic most nights is their defense. When they play defense well, when they play defense with energy, intensity, physicality, attention to detail, organ, organization, whatever you want to call it, when they do that. They are a really tough team to beat. And Wednesday night, they didn't play that way. On Wednesday night, their defensive effort was lax. Their defensive attention to detail was not present. 
Not until the game mattered. Not until the game was really in the balance. Until the urgency stepped up. For the Magic to play good defense, they need to be physical. They need to be willing to take a hit. They need to be together and communicate. They need to rebound effectively. And all those elements were lost. And an unfortunate trend for the Magic of late is that they lose that defensive focus when their offense plays well. Go back to that Minnesota game. That game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their first quarter, they score, what was it, 36 points, 31? They score 40 points in that first quarter and shoot 73.9%. Help them build a 21-point lead in that game, or a 19-point lead in that game. But if you watch that game, they were up only 40-31 to 31 after one quarter despite shooting 73.9%. And if you watch that game, you could tell the defense was slipping. The defense was never really there. Minnesota missed a lot of open shots. And the Magic really, really, really struggled defensively. And so when Orlando stopped making their shots, the run Minnesota made was inevitable. And Orlando never reeled that back in. Five nights later in Utah, Orlando shoots 54.5% in the first quarter. They build a 21-point lead. But Utah missed a lot of open shots. They were getting good looks. And eventually Orlando's offense stopped. And Utah kept getting those good looks and eventually made them. 21-point lead's gone. Orlando loses the game. Not to the same extent as those two games, but that same thing happened in Detroit on Wednesday. Orlando started making a lot of shots early. Their defense, their defensive attention detail was not there, and they lost the game. Not only that did they lose the game, they did all the things defensively that they cannot afford to do. Orlando is only 9-5 in their best 14 offensive games this year. Think of that. Their best offensive games... They're 9-5. And And in those five losses, they tended to give up a lot of points. Their defense was not solid. And the Magic's top 14 defensive games this year, they are 10-4. Three of those four losses occurred when the team scored fewer than 95 points per 100 possessions. Again, no one's going to deny this. The Magic do not have a good offense. But what they should have And what statistically they have had for most of the season is a good defense. Orlando this year is currently 14th in the league in defensive rating. It's not the top 10 mark Steve Clifford wants for his team, but it's the high, it would be if the Magic finished there, the highest finish in defensive rating the Magic have had since this rebuild began. That's something they can hang their hat on. In 2016, they finished 17th. On top of that, they have become one of the better rebounding teams in the league. They're 7th in the league in defensive rebound rate, grabbing 73.7% of all available defensive rebounds. Against Detroit, they only had 61.2. 
Against Detroit, obviously, they got open shots. Their, their attention to detail with their, their coverage on Blake Griffin was poor. Detroit was able to get into the paint, 52 points in the paint. Orlando did match that, but 52 points in the paint forced a lot of turnovers. Detroit beat them up defensively. And so, Wednesday night, Orlando's offense kept them in the game. But remember, it was the defense that forced overtime. It was Orlando getting stops, getting rebounds that helped them erase a late eight-point deficit and force overtime. Everything with this team must start with its defense. It may not be a clear identity yet, and that part is alarming. But defense must be the team's identity. Defense must be what this team can always rely on because that will at least give them a chance every single night. They don't know if they're going to make 50% of their shots every night. They don't know if Terrence Ross is going to come out flamethrowing. They don't know if they'll be able to score 120 points every single night. That's not who this team is. If there's one thing we do know about this team's identity, it's that they are not a scoring team. They're not an offensive team. That's not who they are. Not with this personnel. But what they can be is a strong defensive team. They're above average defensively. They're about the league. They're they're a hair above the league average defensively right now. That's something to be happy about. That's something to be proud of. But they know they have to do better and they have to be more consistent on that end. As good as they've gotten, as much as better as they've gotten, there are still games where they slip like this. And those are the games that cost them. When they have a game like they did on Wednesday night, where they're able to score, when they're able to rely on their offense, they have to keep playing like they can't. They have to keep playing like the offense could go at any moment. And make defense the constant. And if they can do that, if they can do that over the next, what, 38 games, they will make the playoffs. They will accomplish their goals. But it's been half a season and and we're still sort of waiting for them to do it. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I'll be working on my Orlando Magic Daily mailbag. I'll have that for you either Thursday or Friday. We'll probably answer a few of those questions coming up on the show tomorrow. So definitely check that out on orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, search on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for, or play your podcast on your smart device. That's going to do it for me today. Once again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Detroit Pistons, 120-115 to 115 in Detroit. They'll be back in action Friday against the Brooklyn Nets. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.